You're listening to a Stranger podcast. www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Podcast. A couple weeks on the show is ranting and raving about. The transvaginal ultrasound movement uh, in Virginia and Alabama and other states, uh, they want to stick things in women's vaginas uh, before they can get abortions uh, and have a look around. And, of course, there was Rush Limbaugh saying that Virginia Fluck, if she wanted the government to pay for her birth control, which she did not want – But if she did, which she didn't, that uh, Virginia Fluck should be required to post videos of her having sex online so that Rush could watch. It just seemed to me that what a lot of the men in government really wanted was a good look at women's vaginas. Uh, Perhaps they're not getting enough looks at home. Perhaps the women in their lives have barred them from accessing visually or physically or in any other way. Their vaginas, and it just felt like maybe we could make an end run around this. You know, maybe we could, if we gave them what they want, which was a good look at women's vaginas, they would leave women alone. And so I suggested that maybe as a form of protest, women could um, bombard the Virginia state legislator and Virginia's horrible governor, Governor Vaginal Wand, with pictures of their vaginas. And somebody wrote in and directed my attention to a website, Government Free vjj.com or government free vjj where women were being encouraged to do what exactly annie modisit joins us now she's a co-founder of government free vjj.com what are you guys telling women to do we are we are asking women if they would like to um no no no. this is america we don't ask women in america we tell them what are you telling women to do where we ask people mostly um, we are we are telling women, yeah, we're getting on a, on top of a chair and we're telling them to knit or crochet uh, a lady part and send it to your member of Congress because our thinking is if we send them a uterus, maybe they'll stay out of ours. So you think this is just uterine envy? <laughs> you know, I you, I honest to goodness think that it's just it's, it's power. It's some men who cannot stand the thought of women having any kind of power, and that includes power over themselves, power over their own bodies, power over their reproductive rights. And it's been proven over and over again that if a woman has power over her reproductive rights, that's the first step in her achieving financial growth and independence. So this is just the the last trick in the playbook to keep women barefoot and pregnant. And the the point behind your movement, your campaign, to, to well, send these we, male legislators, you know, uteri of their own, you know, if you want to control someone's uterus, here, here's one for you, control it. Exactly. It's like a Barbie doll, you know, because I know <laughs> there's there's a lot of little boys who like to dress up Barbies, and I think that's fabulous. I think it's, it couldn't be better. And so maybe these are men who just have the need to, 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 to feel the uterus. You know, they can put it inside of, of, of their pants, like tuck it down their pants, you know, and they can walk around and feel motherly as if they could give birth. And I'm, I, I am being facetious now, obviously, but it makes me absolutely friggin' crazy that people think they have a right, especially men, to tell women what they should do with their most personal business and so we thought this would be a, a kind of a funny way 
and kind of an effective way to get a lot of women and men. We've had men knitting up these these you know u- u- uteri and, and and vaginas and cervixes. We've had women and men knit them up and send them in. We've also had people who can't knit or crochet make some fabric ones. We've had a quilted one, a lovely uh, beaded uterus, which was absolutely gorgeous. It was really a work of art. And who did that go to? Do you know? I don't know who that one went to specifically. I think someone in Colorado. So are you guys guys at at Government Free VJJ, are you keeping track of who's getting the uterus of their dreams in the mail, who's getting that... Exactly. We are, because in nine months, we'd like to see a little bit of action. We want them to be getting busy, because if they've got a uterus, they should know how to use it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but um, we are keeping track. We have a spreadsheet going on. If you get a spreadsheet. Get and we it. have a worksheet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, you know, the jokes never end here at the JJ Central. Um, we have a, 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 it's a private worksheet. It's not public. But when once you commit to creating a body part. We really love it if you would go on to the website and link to the um, to the spreadsheet and enter your information. Nobody will see it but us. We're not going to be selling this information or anything, but that's just so we can keep track and make sure that like one politician isn't getting 43 JJs unless he needs them. Sometimes <laughs> it's important. It's like Doctor Who who has two hearts. Sometimes you, you get, it's necessary. You, you get the impression from some of these politicians that what they want is 160 million JJs to order around. <sighs> Man, it just, I, you know, if I weren't living through it, I wouldn't believe it. And I remember, geez Louise, I, well, I'll tell you, I'm 50 years old, so there, it's out now, the secret's out. You wouldn't know it to look at me, but yeah, there it is. Um, I remember 10, 15 years ago, when I was in grad school, uh, talking to younger women, this is in the, you know, early 90s, and they would say things like, oh, I'm not a feminist. Like it was some kind of horrible, dirty word. And I just kept running into that over and over again. Women in their 20s, oh, I'm not a feminist. Oh, well, I, I, I believe in this and I believe in that, but I'm not a feminist. And I got so sick of that because I was like, you know, not every feminist is what the right would like to paint her to be. It's not some barefoot woman who's never shaved and wears Birkenstocks, although that could describe, you know, many people. It could, you know, I, I think that's perfectly fine. I think that's a very comfortable way to live. But just this fear of the word feminist makes me a little nuts, just like the fear of the word the JJ. I, I have to thank Oprah for that. That's a good, good word she came up with. I'm afraid of that so, word. Um, you shouldn't be afraid of it because it's, it's how we all got here. So you know, it's absolutely fine. The point behind the campaign is send these politicians a uterus, a knit uterus or hand crocheted uterus, make the point that you're paying attention, uh, that you're offended by their actions, and then what? Is knitting a uterus and putting one in the mail enough? No, it's not enough. We have to vote. We have to vote with our hearts and we have to vote with our lady parts, which is <laughs> it's difficult. It's a very difficult thing to do. But now that with the touch screens, it's easier than with the old, you know, clunk, clunk machines you used to use for voting. But um, we or those absentee ballots. There's more than one way to uh, lick an envelope. <laughs> you are just a funny, funny man. Um, yes, it's it's necessary to vote. But I think some kind of a humorous uh, call to action is the best way to get people excited about voting, and it's a great way to get people just excited about the whole political process. Because sometimes people just throw up their hands and they're like, oh. What I say or do doesn't make any difference. And if enough people feel that way, that's when we get 
a Supreme Court that can okay something like um, Citizens United. And what's truly you know? genius, what's truly genius, I think, about your campaign is what it says to the politician who receives the uterus in the mail is that someone's paying attention and they're not just going to blast off an email that takes a split second. They right. care enough that they knit this. That means they're invested. That means they are going to hold you accountable in a way that somebody who just gets an email alert from NARO or something and blasts off a response perhaps isn't, that you are really involved, invested, and going to hold them accountable. I encourage everyone to go to governmentfreevjj.com if you're pissed off about the Republican war on women, if you're pissed off on the, about the assault on people who are using birth control or people who want to access their right to terminate a pregnancy. And uh, join this campaign. Join governmentfreevjj.com and send a uterus and send a politician a really clear message that you give a shit and uh, you give such a shit that you knitted this form, which means you're going to give enough of a shit to vote against him and encourage all of your friends and family to do the same. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, you are welcome. Uh, it was great to have you. Any final thought? Uh, you know, get out there and vote. You know, get out there and vote. If you don't vote, someone else will. I mean, you know, someone else will steal your, vote, your voice if you don't use it. Annie Modisett, co-founder of GovernmentFreeVJJ.com. Thanks for joining us today. Your call's after this. This episode is brought to you by AdamandEve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle. To receive 50% off most any item, plus three adult DVDs, plus an extra gift, plus free shipping, visit AdamandEve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to create a high-quality website or blog. For a free 14-day trial, go to Squarespace.com. And for 10% off your first purchase on new accounts, use offer code SAVAGE4. Hi, Dan. I'm a 24-year-old heteroflexible female from California, and I love your show. And I have a question for you about threesome etiquette and... uh, having sexual experiences with close friends. So my story is, um, a little over a year ago, last uh, New Year's, I had a threesome with a couple that I'm really close friends with. Uh, the girl is my best friend, and I, at the time, was single and was kind of still dealing with them. We did a lot of things together, all really good friends, really comfortable with each other. And we had this one night where we just, got down and we all had sex and it was amazing and we all slept together, woke up the next morning, had breakfast, not weird, really awesome experience, nothing has happened since, just kind of a one-time fun swing. So since that experience, um, I have, I'm now in a relationship with a really great guy and so my question is, I had my, my friends that I had the threesome with are still together. And I'm kind of interested in having an experience with my current boyfriend, um, with my friends, my my girlfriend. And I'm wondering, is it appropriate for me to ask of her to sort of, you know, I scratch your back, you scratch mine and join us in the bedroom? Or was it because I was single at the time that, you know, I sort of guest starred in their relationship, but now that she's still with that same guy, um, is that weird for me to be asking a girl in a committed relationship, she lives with the guy, to be guest starring in my bedroom? I'm just not sure about it. It's a close friend, someone I wouldn't feel uncomfortable asking, 
But um, just wondering what your take on what's with that. Also, um, in general, all of my sort of group sexual experiences have been with close friends and with people that I've been dating. And I'm just wondering what you think about that. Is is that healthy? Is that, uh, you know, I've never had any awkward experiences having sex with um, close friends of mine, girlfriends and guy friends. Um, but is it, you know, is that better than, than finding strangers on the internet or posting personal hats or what? It's entirely appropriate to ask. You're likely to hear no, uh, not because they, you know, she shouldn't sleep with you or it's wrong, but because circumstances are different. Because you were single and unattached and you jumped into bed with this couple. And what you're asking is for someone who's in a committed relationship in a couple to jump into bed without her partner. You're not proposing a four-way. You're proposing a three-way where one of them is invited over and the other isn't. And their relationship may not allow for that kind of extracurricular activity. You won't know until you ask. It doesn't hurt to ask. Um, I would. That's the kind of ask, though, where you go in with uh, an, an expected no and an invited no. You ask and say, "I realize this is really different. It's not like you're single." Um, so this probably, you know, the answer is probably going to be no, and that's fine if the answer is no. But when I thought of wanting to have a three-way with my current boyfriend, you were the first person I thought of because when I did it with you and your boyfriend, it was so awesome, and I like you so much, and we're so comfortable. So you were the first person I thought to ask. But I expect the answer is probably no because you have a boyfriend and might not be okay with him. And then she will tell you yes or no. Maybe she'll have to talk to the boyfriend uh, briefly about it. But you don't know until you ask whether that's something that she can do. For all you know, it is. For all you know, her boyfriend has been the very special guest star at some other threesomes without her. uh, And that's something that the relationship allows for. Um, As for, you know, group sex and threesomes and is it better to do it with someone that you know uh, and like and are friends with or to trawl the internet for strangers, I have come down again and again and again on the side of people you know, uh, good friends, uh, friends that you have some spark with, perhaps exes that you still have a great relationship with. Those people, uh, in my opinion, make the very best special guest stars because uh, they're known quantities and you have a you have a rapport and there's already trust there and trust is important uh, when it comes to any sexual relationship. Um, but inviting a friend for a lot of people is a high bar to clear because what they want in the special guest star is someone they are absolutely certain does not have a sexually transmitted infection, someone they can trust absolutely uh, and that they've never met before and will never see ever again. Well, you can't trust absolutely somebody you do not know at all uh, and will never see again because you really don't know anything about that person. Uh, and I think trust is more important than uh, being able to disappear a partner. I'd rather have somebody with me along for the ride uh, as a special guest star that I can trust rather than someone that I can trust is going to evaporate or disappear the next day when it's all over. So I've always come down on the side of uh, banging a friend over banging a stranger. Looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com for a limited time only. You'll get 50% off just about any item. And that's not all. There's more. You'll also receive three free adult DVDs plus a free extra gift plus free shipping on your entire order. Check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. That's adamandeve.com and enter Savage at checkout. Hi, Dan. I'm a 21-year-old straight guy. There's a girl I've known since high school, and I could always tell she had a thing for me, but I wasn't interested, so nothing ever happened between us. However, this past summer, I had a big party at my house, got really drunk, and we ended up having sex. 
She made it clear that she only wanted to be friends with benefits, which I was completely in favor of as well. We hooked up a couple more times in my place, and then something creepy happened. One night, I had a different female friend over to visit my house, and girl number one called me. Not wanting to be rude to my current guest, I ignored the call. She called several more times, and then around 11.30 p.m., girl number one shows up, shows up at my door. Turns out she, quote, really needed some piece of cookware she left at my house right then and thought it would be okay to just come over without actually talking to me first. Needless to say, I was creeped out and never called her again. Over the following semester, when I got back to college, she proceeded to call and text me daily, always drunk or high, begging for me to call her back. In these calls, she made it very clear she wanted to continue having sex. I never responded to a single call or text, and I only got more and more creeped out the more times she tried to contact me. Things changed when I came home from college for winter break, and the calls continued. Then, over New Year's, I went to a party in a different city than she was in and got completely hammered. The last thing I remember was her calling me, and since I was nearing blackout drunkenness, I answered. I don't remember what I said, but I don't remember anything else from the night. The next morning, I wake up naked and in her bed next to her. I freak out and ask her what happened. Apparently, she drove out to get me, brought me back to her parents' house. We had sex. And here's the kicker. She was completely sober the entire time. I ran as fast as I could out of there. I started thinking that if our genders were reversed, the situation I was in sounded a bit like date rape. I asked a few close friends about the issue and got strikingly different responses, ranging from, yes, it was date rape, you should report it and get her arrested, all the way to, deep down, you probably did want to have sex with her. Dan, I can assure you, I really didn't want to have sex with her. Since that time, she's completely out of my life. So, Dan, what was it? Was I date raped? I don't even want to answer this question. There's nothing I can say here. If I say what I'm required to say, uh, I'm going to feel like I'm lying or rounding shit up. It just, I, I, you know, we have two options now when it comes to the gray area. We all have to declare sex consensual and a okay, or we have to declare it rape and somebody has to go to prison. Um, and I really feel that there is a gray area and there are some areas in that gray area that are grayer than others. Some areas in the gray areas that are pretty dark fucking gray. Some areas in the gray area that are pretty close to black. And I think this is pretty close to black. I think what happened was really fucked up. I think you were taken advantage of. You were preyed upon. And those used to be phrases we could use to label shit that sometimes happened in the gray area that was really skeezy and awful and even traumatizing and left people feeling really violated. I could imagine that you would feel uh, in the, that circumstance pretty violated. I was in a similar circumstance once. I feel pretty pre- felt pretty fucking violated uh, by what happened in that circumstance. But I've never really – even thinking back on something that happened to me, very similar to what happened to you, I've never really thought of myself as a rape victim or a rape survivor based on having had a very similar thing that happened to you happened to me many years ago. Um, so I'm not sure what to tell you. I know that I'm out on a limb now, pretty fucking far out on the limb because the tech savvy at risk youth are giving me that, whoa, you're really far out there, that fucking limb face. 
that they give me where they kind of like smile and just start nodding very slowly, wondering how I'm going to crawl back the fuck off this limb. So here it goes. You can call it whatever you want to call it. If you call the police, they're not going to take you seriously. Um, you know, when it comes to alcohol and impaired judgment, it does devolve very quickly into a he said, she said situation. Morally and ethically, we can label this, if it makes you feel better, a date rape. If the genders were reversed, without hesitation, people would say, oh, yes, date rape, um, that you are a male, that you produced an erection, that you, uh, you know, in that circumstance, you're going to be judged differently and unfairly. An erection isn't something a man is always out in front of or in charge of and men are capable of being blind, blackout, drunk and achieving erections. But uh, I'm not sure where it gets you to label this date rape. Uh, I'm not sure where it gets people who are in circumstances where on a, you know, without hesitation you could label it a date rape, where it gets them to round up your experience to date rape. Because when I think of a date rape that involves no gray area, I think of somebody who's out on a date or with somebody that they are dating or in some way uh, consenting to be in the presence of and – uh, something is initiated and the person says, no, I don't want to do this and the person that they are quote-unquote dating um, ignores their withdrawal of consent and pushes through and rapes them. And I think what happened to you was awful. I think that she's a jerk. I think you should not take her calls. Uh, I think you should drink less. Uh, not because it's your fault that it happened because you were drunk but because – now you know that sometimes you can be so blackout drunk that somebody else can seize control of your person and your body and use it in ways that you're going to be left feeling bad about after and you might therefore want to moderate your alcohol intake. Or when you do want to get blackout drunk, be sure that you have wingmen and friends at your elbow who are going to steer you into a car and into your own bed alone when you're in that condition. So were you date raped? Yeah, I guess. I guess if you want to call it that. If you want to think of yourself as having been date raped by this dirtbag, you can think of it that way. I'm not sure as I ponder your call uh, and think about this tonight over dinner that I'm going to think about it that way. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to create a high-quality website or blog. Squarespace.com has hundreds of design templates to choose from, and you can customize any of the designs to fit your needs. They have beautiful iPhone, iPad, and Android apps for updating your blog on the go, and it's designed for both beginners and CSS experts. Use Squarespace for all your website needs. Build it, host it, and update it anytime. For a free 14-day trial, go to Squarespace.com. Sign up for a free account. No credit card needed. Just try it out and start building your website. For 10% off your first purchase on new accounts, use offer code SAVAGE4. That's offer code SAVAGE4. Hi, um, I have a situation. My cousin, he's not really my cousin. He's adopted into my family. Um, but ever since we hit puberty, I was about 14, he was about 15. Every time he would get, like, we would be alone with each other, he would, he sexually harasses me, basically. Um, kissing me, touching me, uh, filling up my breasts and stuff. And it makes me extremely uncomfortable. I've told him to stop. I'm 17 now and it, it hasn't quit. And I was wondering how I would go about getting him to stop because my family, 
they're the type of people, if I told on him, I would be considered in the wrong, too. Like, they would be wondering, well, what did you do to make him do this and stuff? So I was wondering, what would your advice be on telling him to pass the fuck off? And I've tried hitting him. I've, I mean, I've tried hitting him. I've tried being mean to him. I've cussed him out on numerous occasions. But every time I get him, like, every time he, like, we're alone together, it without fail, he's always sliding onto me and stuff and, uh, like, hugging me. And all. he always, every time he gets a chance to touch me, he does. And it makes me extremely uncomfortable. And my uh, my real cousin, he knows, he kind of knows about it. And he just, he ignores it pretty much. He knows it makes me uncomfortable. But, like, uh, he'll, we'll call him John, the one that's sexually harassing me. John will uh, will do stuff in front of him. And he'll, he just kind of looks the other way. Because him and John are pretty much best friends. And it really bothers me. And I feel kind of trapped. I don't know what to do. So your advice will be much appreciated. Thank you. Joining me by phone, Katie Ray Jones, president of the National Domestic Violence Hotline based in Austin, Texas. Katie, you listened to this call, right? I have, yes. What do you do what, in a situation like this when you're being sexually, not just sexually harassed, but sexually violated, humiliated, um, assaulted? by a family member and other family members are turning a blind eye and have communicated to you that they're going to blame you if you should object to this treatment. Right. What I would recommend for this caller is to find someone outside of her family that she can talk to. When you think family, that that's someone you can trust and you can depend on. And so that's heartbreaking. That was one of the most heartbreaking parts of the call is that she indicates she doesn't have anyone in her family who will believe her. Um, so I would recommend her seeing if there's a, a school counselor, a friend, someone, um, maybe a member of church that she can talk to, to be able to have a safe place to be able to tell someone what's going on and be believed. That's mm-hmm. going to be really important for her. And then what? So she tells somebody outside the family what's going on and it continues. Well, and hopefully, you know, what I would recommend, or if she felt comfortable, I mean, she's being sexually assaulted. She's told this person she doesn't want to be touched, and he is fondling her, uh, fondling her breasts, and that is definitely um, illegal. So if she felt comfortable, I would recommend making a report to law enforcement if she felt that that was safe to do so for her. But, you know, a lot of people in situations like this, a lot of young women in situations like this, uh, fearing the judgment or condemnation or blame that may come their way from their family members, feel that they, you know, that's a, that's a button that they can't press. Um, is there anything that she can do right now short of that if she feels she can't go there, if she doesn't want to go nuclear on her cousin because she feels like she won't have family support? Right. Well, there's two things that I'd want, I'd want to talk to her about. One is her emotional safety and the other is her physical safety. So in her, in her family, she did talk a little bit about there was a cousin who has witnesses and doesn't turn anything turns you know turns an eye to it and doesn't really address it ignores the behavior but i wouldn't recommend that she's never alone in a room with this person um if he's making these advances and she's told him to stop who's to say he won't go a step further and then rape her um so that's concerning that his behavior could begin to escalate so and then she talked i think a little bit about um she's cussed him out and she's hit him even, and that could be unsafe for her too. So it seems like things are getting a little out of control where she really needs to make sure she's physically safe. Um, Whether that means she needs to find another place to live where she's not going to be around him, does she need to go into a shelter situation, those would be things I'd want to explore with her. 
The other part is her emotional safety. That is being, being able to find some type of support system where she can talk about this. I could hear the emotion in her voice as she was talking about what was happening to her, the disappointment over her family. And so it's going to be really important for her to connect with someone, even if, I mean, she could call our hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE and speak to someone um, on the lines 24-7. If she just needed a place to vent, she could definitely do that. Which is a good reason to reach out, to find that adult, to find that person outside the family if you are being betrayed by your own family or feel like you can't trust your family, just to be heard for someone who may feel trapped in a situation like this. Just that kind of ability to vent and validation for that, that this is a violation and you are being wronged, that can be enough to help somebody weather a storm like this until you can extricate yourself from the situation. She's 17. Right. Um, I would tell her, I, I want to second what you said, refuse to be alone in a room with this person. Mm-hmm. Refuse to be in a room with this person at all if he's assaulting right. you in front of other family members. When he walks in, you walk out. And you don't have to explain to your family why you don't want to be in a room with somebody. All you have to say is, I don't like him. He gives mm-hmm. me the creeps. Period. The end. You don't have to make an accusation if you feel like you're going to be retaliated against for making the accusation, for telling the truth. If you're trapped in a really dysfunctional family where you will be penalized and you will be punished for telling the truth, don't say anything that isn't that's definitive. Just he walks in, you walk out. What's your problem with your cousin? I don't like him. He gives me the creeps. What can your family say to that? Right. You must. What and do you mean you don't like him? You do like him and he doesn't give you the creeps. Uh, no, he gives me the creeps. I don't like him. I don't want to be in a room with him. You have a right to say that. You have a right to walk the fuck out of that room. Absolutely. And she definitely does. And that's why I think, you know, finding someone who can sit there and support her with that and say, you don't deserve to be treated that way, whether it's your family member or not, nobody has the right to touch you in any way that makes you feel uncomfortable. And that's her right, and she's not getting that right um, in her own home and with her own family, and that's disappointing. And so she needs a place where she can tell what's going on and, and not be judged, not be blamed, but feel like she's being treated with dignity and respect. I want to back up and take, uh, you know, uh, just back up one step and say and observe that if this cousin is doing this to her, he's likely doing it to other family members. And at some point, there's going to have to be accountability in this family. There's going to have to be a reckoning, which is another reason why she should, I think, take your advice and involve that outside party, involve that outside adult, and perhaps you know bring people in to have an intervention with her, if not to protect herself, to protect other relatives, younger girls in this family who may already be targeted, have already been targeted for sexual abuse or harassment by this family member. Families sometimes we'll turn a blind eye to this kind of abuse thinking it's just – I don't know what they're thinking. They're not thinking because when this is allowed to run unchecked in a family, it, it spans relationships, cousins, siblings, generations. This has to be at some point dealt with. I don't think this girl's in a position right now without her family support to deal with it on her own and alone. But if she begins to build that support system, bring in other people, bring in outside adults, begins to take a stand, refuse to be in a room alone with this person who's abusing her, then hopefully, you know, maybe when she's 18 and she's moved out of the house, she can come in with guns blazing in defense, not of herself at that point, but of other family members who this motherfucker might be targeting. Right. And listen, I mean, she's a minor. And so it is really disheartening that the adults in her life are not doing anything to protect her. And she doesn't feel safe even 
going to the adults in her life to be able to get that protection. That's really disheartening, and I think that's where we as a society often tell people, I mean, this is a girl who just really knows. If I go to my family, they're going to tell me I must have done something to provoke him. I wasn't dressed in the right way. And we hear that a lot from people who call our hotline, that they're being blamed for the abuse that's happening to them. You didn't, you know, you provoked him by the way you were dressing, or you didn't say, the way you were talking to him made him um, want to have sex with you, which is completely inappropriate and crazy. Um, and a shame that so many women are, are being put in the victim role and, and blamed for it. That makes me absolutely furious. And what the woman's being punished for, I think, when family members turn on them and say that, is for complaining. Like, why couldn't you just pretend this wasn't happening? Why couldn't you just keep it to yourself and shut up? That you brought this up has put us in a position of having to choose sides. And in too many families, the side they're going to choose is uh, the abuser's side. Right. And, and to silence the ones who are being abused. Um, and to demonstrate, you know, and, and then the word goes out to other family members who might also be being abused that you shouldn't speak up because look what happened to her. Right. And then they make excuses for the abuser's behavior. And I don't know the background. She didn't give as much details into that person's background. And somehow she alludes to he's like an adoptive family member or something. But it is not uncommon for the family to make excuses for her, his behaviors and then feel like she needs to deal with them. Katie Ray Jones, president of the National Domestic Violence Hotline, uh, based in Austin, Texas. Do you want to give us that number one more time, Katie? Sure. It's 1-800-799-SAFE, S-A-F-E. Thank you so much for joining us today. I thank you so much. Hi, Dan. Uh, I'm a 32-year-old gay guy who has been with my boyfriend for 12 years, and it's a great relationship. But I have an issue that has come up over the past few weeks where I've had recurring nightmares about sexually aggressive women. In these nightmares, an attractive woman will approach me and demand sex. Even when I decline her advances, explaining I couldn't possibly fuck her because I can't get an erection with a woman, she demands I help her get off and makes me do things like rub her tits and stimulate her wet hole. I wake up from these nightmares early in the morning, shaking and feeling deeply disturbed. In the past couple months, I've been having these nightmares like two or three times a week. I've started to think of this woman as my pussy Kruger because she just won't leave me alone and she seems hell-bent on terrorizing me in my sleep. Now, I've been out since I was 15 years old and never had sex with a woman except for a brief encounter when I was a teenager where I tried having sex with a husband and his wife. I was all up for trying it out, but when I touched that woman's pussy, I recoiled and became a trembling wreck. I figured I was just young and it wasn't for me, so it didn't really bother me that much, but I'm just disturbed by my extreme reaction to women's private parts and how they haunt me in my nightmares again and again. I don't see why anyone should react with such disgust to anyone's body parts, regardless of their sexuality. Like, you know, it pisses me off when like, I hear straight guys claiming it makes them sick to their stomach seeing another guy's dick. A woman has never actually forced herself on me. I don't remember ever being sexually abused by a woman when I was a kid, and I don't really buy into the whole you know, repressed memory thing, so I don't know why I'd feel this way or be so terrified of pussy. I'm rational and know that women can be beautiful and sexy, and I don't have to fuck them. The issue obviously doesn't really matter in my everyday life because I'm happy with my boyfriend and being gay, but 
I'd just like to get over this and wonder if I should go to counseling or something. I know a lot of gay guys say in a joking way, like, ew, vagina, gross. But my reaction seems really wrong, and it's becoming a problem where I'm lacking sleep because of women breaking me in nightmares a few times a week. I wish I could just say to these demanding women, hey, I'm sorry I can't help you, but here's a dildo. Knock yourself out. But I can't stop my unconscious self from turning into this trembling, frightened, helpless mess every time these sexually aggressive women force my fingers into them. So, do you have any advice to help me chase Pussy Kruger away and stop my nightmare on Gay Street? Thanks. Well, here, here's where you're wrong. Women can be beautiful and sexy, and you must fuck them. You have to fuck them. Um, this podcast, I, I, I want to apologize to you that we're including your call in this particular podcast. That first call at the top of the show from the guy who was gray raped must have really traumatized you. Please don't get blackout drunk and uh, accept any rides home from any strange women. Um, I don't know what to tell you. You know, uh, un- being plagued by unwelcome thoughts uh, it can be a tick for someone who's OCD. That you know, instead of washing their hands over and over again, they're constantly having a, a particular, you know, mental image pop into their head or thought or you know, a recurring sort of waking dream. Uh, and there are treatments for that drugs um, and, and psychological approaches to sort of banish those unwelcome thoughts to to, to retrain your brain. But I don't know how you go into your dream life and stop having a particular nightmare. And I don't know enough about your life to find out why now, why this. It does sound, based on that one experience you had with a woman, that you are kind of reliving exactly that. You went to bed with this man and his wife and you thought maybe you could do it. You could have this three-way roll around. And at the moment where you fingered her, you touched her vagina, you were kind of goobed out and it pulled you out of the moment. It kind of ruined it for you and that seems to be where all your dreams go, that a woman demands to be sexually serviced and you freak out and then she somehow manipulates your hand into her vagina and then you wake up in a cold sweat. I'm just vamping. I have no fucking idea what to tell you. But maybe somebody out there listening has been plagued by unwelcome sexual dreams, not thoughts. There are people out there who sometimes have unwelcome sexual thoughts pop into their heads, unwelcome sexual memories, images, um, and they can learn, they can train themselves to kind of banish them because these are waking thoughts. But how do you get Pussy Kruger out of your dreams? Hopefully you won't end up like Johnny Depp. You won't be sucked into one, chewed out, and spit out in a big gusher of blood, which is a Freddy Krueger Nightmare on Elm Street reference uh, for those of you who haven't seen that movie recently. The original with Johnny Depp. Uh, Just vamping now. Anybody out there got any ideas for him? Give us a call and uh, record your comments. We'll play them on a future show. Hi, Dan. Uh, My name is John. I live in the Midwest, and I'm a gay man. I kind of struggle because there's not much uh, dating opportunities out here. And so I kind of turn to online dating, even though I really haven't done it. I meet people online, but I don't meet them in person because I'm kind of sketched out by the idea. And I think, man, that's, that's just, I don't know, I kind of feel like a hoe. You know, it just makes me feel like I'm cheapening the dating experience by doing something like that. Do you think that dating online is, cheapening the love life and the experience of falling in love? I've been with Terry. 
I think I've mentioned Terry once or twice on the podcast. He is my husband in Canada, boyfriend in America, for 17 years, which means my entire dating history preceded Al Gore's invention of the internet. I have never taken out internet personal ads or responded to internet personal ads. Uh, so I can't really tell you um, from any you know personal experience – uh, about how online dating goes or feels. Um, I do know, however, that studies show that you know, 20, 30, 40 percent of relationships now begin online. People are using web-based personal ads as a tool to meet. And when you're a member of a sexual minority group, uh, a tiny sexual minority, particularly marooned in a Midwest city that isn't a Chicago or a Milwaukee or a Madison uh, or you know, a, a Cleveland or a Kansas City, a place with some fucking fags in it. You don't want to deny yourself the use of that tool because of some silly hang-up about whether it cheapens the dating experience. It facilitates the dating experience. Um, and you know, speaking of Terry, we met in a gay bar when I was drunk and he was stoned, and we made out in the bathroom. Pretty cheap, but something valuable grew out from that cheap and tawdry meeting and that cheap and tawdry first hookup experience. You can meet somebody online, flirt, you can, you know, dirty talk each other, and then you can meet in person and realize you really like each other and there's a rapport there, and then you can hook up, and all a long term relationship is is a hookup that's stuck around. So don't, you know, wring your hands and be fucking grandma about this. Get out there and date. Use the tools that you have. Uh, and for gay guys of your generation, younger gay guys, uh, there are fewer options for meeting in person because Grinder and Dudes Nude and Recon and straight sites like OkCupid, primarily straight, that allow uh, same-sexers to date as well. Uh, they've killed a lot of gay bars, a lot of public spaces where gay people used to gather specifically to meet uh, potential partners are no more. Because so many gay guys of your generation are meeting online, are using personal ads, are using uh, hookup websites, at least to establish that initial contact. So uh, you're shooting yourself in the foot and your own worst enemy when it comes to dating and romance if you're not going to access these sites. You don't have to be a slut and a whore. You don't have to do cheap shit. Uh, now that there's something wrong with being a slut and a whore, Terry and I were both sluts and whores that night and we're still together. Uh, you can say on your personal ad, I'm not into hookups and I'm looking to, for I'm looking to date. And other guys who are looking for the same will find their way to your ad and respond. So this is a comment for episode 284. Her girlfriend giggles when they are intimate. And I just like to say that I'm also a giggler and specifically after sex, after orgasming, I giggle a lot. In fact, I will laugh hysterically, but it's only a good thing. And my ex-boyfriend would get so offended whenever I'd laugh after sex because he would think that it was devaluing the experience that we just had. But in reality, all I wanted him to know was that it was such a great experience that I, and I was surprised that I could feel that good. Um, so giggling or laughing was the only reaction that came up. It was just my response. So don't be discouraged if your lover giggles. It really is just a response. It's a good thing. It's a positive thing. So good luck. Hi, I was calling about the guy in episode 284 who really wanted to go down on his girlfriend and she just wasn't into it. Dude, replace eating pussy with threesome or anal sex and you sound like kind of an asshole. Pressure is pressure, no matter whether or not you think it's for, more for her pleasure than for yours. And pressure is never sexy. 
Hey, this is in response to episode 285 to the two bottoms, or the bottom who only wants to date bottoms. Um, I guess this is just a message to the other gay men out there. 100% top or bottom is super tedious, and I think we should all move on and learn to appreciate both sides of the spectrum and help a brother out when it comes time to be called to the plate. And we're going to leave it there. Thank you all so much for your questions and your comments. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you want to record a question or leave a comment for a future show, if there's something you've got to say about today's podcast, go to thestranger.com slash lovecast, where you will find that every show has a comment thread. Uh, we can't play every comment that we get on the phone line, but anybody who wants to leave a comment, make sure people see it, is invited to go to the website, stranger.com slash lovecasts leave your comment 206-201-2720 that's the number me and the tech savvy at risk youth be back at you next week another installment of savvy lovecast thanks for downloading